Saturday, May the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America's ties with South Korea and the cost of universal vaccination. First, the week in brief. America and South Korea announced they will strengthen ties in a range of industries, including pharmaceuticals and semiconductors. South Korea needs more COVID-19 jabs. America hopes that South Korea will help to alleviate a shortage in the supply of semiconductors. Trade deals might be easier to secure than foreign policy agreements. Moon Jae-in, South Korea's president, wants America to help denuclearize the Korean peninsula. President Joe Biden has other priorities. Hong Kong's government withdrew all of its staff from a representative office in Taiwan, accusing the island of, quote, grossly interfering in its affairs. The government claimed its employees had been threatened by Taiwanese, quote, radicals without providing details. Relations between the two governments have deteriorated in recent years. Mainland China has bolstered its power in Hong Kong while increasing diplomatic and military pressure on Taiwan. Joe Biden offered to shrink his infrastructure bill by $600 billion from $2.3 trillion to $1.7 trillion. He is haggling with Republicans in Congress, ostensibly to secure bipartisan support. But most of the items in their $568 billion counteroffer would be cut in this revision. If they refuse to bargain, Democrats are left with no alternative to a harrowing party-line vote. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu warned Hamas, a Palestinian militant group that controls Gaza, to expect, quote, a new level of force if it breaks the ceasefire agreed between the two sides yesterday. The truce began early on Friday, then weathered brief clashes at Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. At least 230 people in Gaza and 12 in Israel were killed over the preceding 11 days. The European Union will invest 1 billion euros, 1.2 billion dollars, in building facilities for manufacturing vaccines in Africa. The continent imports 99% of the vaccines it uses and 70% of its pharmaceutical products, and many countries have struggled to buy and import COVID-19 jabs throughout the pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic could be ended by mid-2022 if donor countries were willing to cough up a combined $50 billion, according to the International Monetary Fund. The sum is the estimated cost of vaccinating 60% of the world's population, a pittance compared with the $16 trillion that governments have already spent supporting people and businesses during the pandemic. The G7 group of rich countries agreed to stop financing carbon-emitting coal power projects by the end of this year. They also agreed to, quote, overwhelmingly decarbonize power generation and stop financing fossil fuel projects, though those commitments to the consternation of some environmentalists came without a timetable. And fact of the day. Since 2019, white, non-Hispanic children have been in a minority in America. And now, here's today's agenda. The Beats on the Streets, the music of 1971. It was a year of tumult and change in America. 
1971, the Pentagon Papers were released, Richard Nixon declared war on drugs, and the Supreme Court ruled that busing and quotas were appropriate measures for desegregating schools. It was a creatively fecund year, too. Bill Withers, Bob Marley, John Lennon, Joni Mitchell, Marvin Gaye and the Rolling Stones, among many others, released hit albums. Their work distilled the mood of the time, expressing dismay at the ongoing Vietnam War, demanding peace, and encouraging listeners to make their voices heard too. For a new eight-part documentary on Apple TV+, Plus, 1971, the year that music changed everything, Asif Kapadia, an Oscar-winning director, has unearthed rare archival footage and interviews to explore the era's symbiosis of music and politics. I don't think the music was a reflection of the times, says Jimmy Yovine, a music executive, as much as the music also caused the times. Ways of Seeing Art in Hong Kong Zhang Yanzi, an artist from mainland China who uses medical equipment in her work, recorded a lockdown spent in New York by making a face mask every day. Judging by the selfies taken with her collection, now on show at Art Basel Hong Kong, art lovers are thrilled to have pieces like hers back in town. Art Basel Hong Kong, the Asian outpost of the Swiss Art Fair, was cancelled in 2020 along with other shows. This year, shows are smaller than before the pandemic and have embraced hybrid models with live and digital exhibitions. Ticket allocations were small and sold out. Travel restrictions forced international galleries to hire local representatives and kept overseas buyers away. Art Basel, which closes tomorrow, has had a year to improve the online viewing rooms hastily cobbled together last year. But however good they get, the in-crowd will still jostle to get in front of the real thing. Forgotten Knowledge Memorising the Indigenous Way An indigenous Australian technique for memorising things could help students to cram for their exams. A recent study in PLOS One, a journal, found that an Aboriginal Australian mnemonic practice forged over 50,000 years outperformed the memory palace method developed by the ancient Greeks. The Greeks liked to attach facts to mental locations, but the Aboriginal method incorporates humanity's favourite pastime, storytelling. In the study, medical students were tested on their ability to recall the names of 20 butterfly species. One group was taken on a walkabout with an indigenous professor who spun a yarn about the butterflies as they explored the local gardens. The amblers performed better in the test than the group who stayed in their rooms studying a memory palace. Researchers reckon that the aboriginal technique could ease students' rote learning burden. It could also ease the aches and pains that come with being tied to a desk all day. Racing Dirty, an equine scandal in America American horse racing is under scrutiny. In 2019, at least 30 thoroughbreds died from injuries during races at a single track in California. In 2020, 27 people, including trainers and vets, were indicted on federal doping charges. And this week, one of America's most decorated trainers, Bob Baffert, was banned from races in New York indefinitely. Mr. Baffert's horses regularly fail drug tests up to 30 times by one count, but his latest offence is proving particularly damaging. 
Three weeks ago, Mr. Baffert's Medina Spirit won the Kentucky Derby, the sport's top race. The horse subsequently tested positive for beta-methasone, a man-made steroid similar to cortisol, a hormone. It is used to treat inflammation, but is banned on race days as it may enhance performance. Mr. Baffert admitted applying a cream containing the steroid to Medina Spirit. Some in the sport want to clean it up. A national regulator is due to begin operations in 2022. Others, notably animal rights groups, want it shut down for good. Saturday Profile Ben Crump, Black America's Attorney General when you're representing, quote, marginalized people, explains Ben Crump, who has acted for the families of numerous African-American victims of police shootings, you have to fight in two courts. First, you battle in the court of public opinion, then you proceed to a court of law. Mr. Crump's strategic approach explains his media ubiquity. When he takes a case, often before he ever enters a courtroom, he appears at rallies, marches, press conferences and on news programs, anything to keep his clients in the public eye. Like many plaintiff's lawyers, he is a compelling speaker and presence, not quite flamboyant, but certainly not short on confidence. Mr. Crump is 51 years old, a native of North Carolina and the eponymous head of a law firm with offices in California, Florida, Illinois and Washington, D.C. He came to public prominence in 2013 when he represented the family of Trayvon Martin, a black 17-year-old shot dead at a Florida housing development by a resident who thought he looked suspicious. Among the numerous settlements he has won are $27 million this year from the city of Minneapolis for George Floyd's family and $12 million for the family of Breonna Taylor, whom Louisville police killed last year while serving a, quote, no-knock warrant. The latter included a commitment to police reform. Yet Mr. Crump's success highlights a flaw in America's justice system. He is an attorney in private practice, not a prosecutor. When he wins a case, victims' families get money, but nobody goes to jail. Notwithstanding Derek Chauvin being found guilty of Mr. Floyd's murder, he was prosecuted by the state of Minnesota, convicting police for actions committed on duty is fiendishly difficult. As a result, civil penalties like those brought about by Mr. Crump's victories are often the only measure of justice that victims and their families will ever see. Because of this unique role, Al Sharpton, an activist-turned-television host, has called Mr. Crump, quote, Black America's Attorney General. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Langston Hughes, who died on this day in 1967. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.